I was today years old when I discovered that the name of the city I live in, Sacramento, came from the word sacrament. Welcome to Christ in the Chaos, where a pastor's kid and a kid's pastor share their messy attempt at raising a Christ-centered family. We may not know what we're doing, but we are right in the thick of it. And this is how we're finding Christ in the Chaos. Welcome to Christ in the Chaos. I am Kathleen, here with my husband, Joel. Can I just tell you that lead into this, he said five, four, and then made a funny face as if that was supposed to tell me I was supposed to start talking. Usually I just point. <laughs> yeah, you didn't point. You didn't stop. You didn't get to one. I just hoped that that was the right time to start talking. People who need to know how the sausage is made, hun. They just want delicious, delicious podcast sausage. Mm. <laughs> We're going to have to think about whether or not to leave that in. And on that note, today we will be talking about, we're continuing our Faith Basic series with our fourth episode. This one is on the sacraments. Before we get to what they are and how they work, I guess, uh, let's do the family check-in. Our weekly family check-in, where we remind you to check in with your family. Turn to them and see how they're doing. Just kidding. You're listening to a podcast. They're nowhere near you. But remember to go find them after the podcast and check in and ask them. I always think that when you say it. I'm like, nobody sits like with their family. Only you. No, but I have been told by people that they use it as a reminder. This is your reminder. How are you doing? Oh, how am I doing? Nothing really bad has been happening, which is okay. Good. Um, I just realized that I have really loaded this four months of my year with work um, in that I had, we had Ash Wednesday programming, which was like not a ton of work, but it was something. And then we have weekly Lent programming. I'm still continuing doing our kids church. I do our Wednesday um, story time and Wiggles program. Um, and so I've created like three weekly like programs that I'm putting on. I only work 20 hours a week. So putting them on and then adding to that, preparing for whatever we're going to do for the kids, for kids and families for Easter. And then what we're going to do, um, then we have our kids camp. It's the earliest it's ever been this year, which I'm very excited about in theory, except for it means that there's like, and with a late Easter, Easter and an early kids camp, um, it's just a real tight turnaround. And this week, I, I, I was going to say I barely got done what I needed to get done. In reality, I did not get need get done what needed to get done. I had to go work um, on a day I don't normally work after I'd already worked more than my normal hours. And I kind of have a feeling it's going to be like that for the next four months. Um, it, it was like all week I was at like a 9.5 on the stress scale. And I never tipped over to have like a full nervous breakdown. Um, but... <laughs> But um, I never, I didn't relax all week. And we went to like a, like a fun thing with our friends after church today. And we got like an hour and a half into it. And I just looked at Joel and I was like, we have to go. I just. That is not true. You, you looked, looked at me at and me. I said. You said we Let's have to go. go. Um, I just like couldn't stand or look up or whatever. And I came home and just crashed for a couple of hours. So um, I'm really tired. I'm really tired and I'm really stressed. 
and I'm trying to not have it all feel like it's on me to get everything done. Um, and I know God will do what he needs to do. Um, but I don't want to be unprepared. And and we're also, we're going to Hawaii, um, for Joel's brother's wedding, um, in this time frame, And it's like right before Easter. So I have to be prepared for Easter, like really two weeks before I would normally be fully prepared for Easter and Good Friday and Holy Week generally. Um, so that just adds like, it adds a lot more to the stress. Cause I want to, cause the, cause the, the trip to Hawaii is a huge investment and I want to be able to enjoy it. And I just, I cannot foresee that actually happening. Well, normally you love weddings, but it's good to know that I have a couple of months of getting yelled at constantly coming up. I, was I, I didn't think I was yelly this week. Was I no, yelly? But I just the, like weeks like... leading up to Christmas. The weeks leading up to Easter are usually pretty yelly and it's good to know they're just going to be like compounded and. Multiplied. I, d- I feel more like a kicked puppy than like aggressive right now, if that makes sense. Like every day I'm just putting one foot in front of the other and trying to get caught up for the next thing that I have coming. Like I just got Sunday done before Sunday and now I have Tuesday programming. So I've got to get Tuesday programming done. And then I've got Wednesday, you know, it's just, it's, I like to be work. I like to be ahead and I'm just, just staying functional and competent right now. How about you? How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing okay. Things are fine. I'm pretty tired from from housework. I think I'm going to take a little a little break from working on the house, but can't really because grass keeps growing. Mm. Other than that, though, I'm doing good. I wish we had recorded this earlier in the week. It makes my life easier, but that's okay. Yeah. Last minute editing is the best kind of editing. <laughs> uh, the other thing is, what was I going to say? Oh, I was going to compliment you. I was like running on fumes today, and you came in to serve in the second like round of kids church and it was like somebody had given you some sort of like upper before you came in for worship and you got not just all of the kids worshiping but got me worshiping like way more than I was going to because of your enthusiasm so that was like like spousing I would like to say that it was it was because I noticed that you needed the help but it was actually uh we had there were two boys our kid and then our friend's son were in the later service today together and they were both kind of like and so i was like well i gotta get them going and i did you got got me going going. too so i think i like really needed that and it was it was good they they got into it and that was the point serving this is a side note side note we need a stinger for that joel side notes no we don't go serve in kids ministry and then purposefully look stupid embarrass yourself in front of the kids because you really have to say to yourself what do i want these kids to do i want them to jump up and down and shout during the shouty parts of the song well you have to do that yeah no 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 no. i want the kids to do it yeah cool then you gotta do it so the kids won't do it if you don't do it as a tangent to that i i think my own worship has been i know that i want the kids to worship with enthusiasm and to realize like how good god is And in order to like get them there, I've like kind of started overdoing it. Um, And in overdoing it, I found my stride. I love it. (laughs) I am so happy. And I like feel like there are moments in kids worship when I feel very emotional um, about 
about what we're singing, about what the words are. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess this is worship then. Like, this is what I needed was a place to be free to like jump up and down and like close my eyes and put my arms up in the air. Um, so that rocks. Yeah. I'm still not necessarily overly enthusiastic about jumping them down, but I do like the songs you pick. This is how busy my life is in the in the midst of all of this. I forgot to mention that my grandma passed away yesterday on Leap Day, um, which she has had Alzheimer's for like five years. We've we've visited her very intermittently, but it just kind of confused and upset her. And the good news is that she had a this is a weird way of saying this. The good news is that she had a stroke like or like late last week and then passed away on Saturday. And so she was only in that kind of like scary, painful part of dying for a couple of days, um, which is what we were hoping for. Like once she had the stroke and was like not swallowing and was uncomfortable, um, we were hoping it wouldn't last, like she wouldn't be in pain and wouldn't be scared. That was the main thing. We were all just afraid that she was scared because mm-hmm. she didn't know what's going on. You can't explain anything to her. Um, so it went quickly and it was just like one more stressful thing for 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 the family and then for, for my mom. For me. It was no. really hard. For me. No, it wasn't hard for, but it was, no, but it is, on yeah. top of everything else, it was sort of a relief because we just didn't want her to be in pain or scared for an extended period of time. And, and it went quickly. So today we are talking about sacraments. And the first question is, Joel, what does the word sacrament remind you of? The word sacramento. <laughs> we were talking about this today and I don't, did you just kind of like blurt out like, Oh, hey. It just occurred. It like really just occurred. It was like, oh, yeah. Sacrament. Sacramento. So like, I think you... we were coming from the Rivercat Stadium. Yeah. And so I think I had Sacramento on the brain. And then we were talking about Sacrament. And I was like, oh, yeah, we live there. So we actually looked it up. And Sacramento is named by some Spanish guy after it's like. Santissimo Sacramento. Which is. The most holy sacrament. Eucharist or, or communion. communion. Um, Called it the Communion River, which, okay. <laughs> which is, yeah, you would think if, if a river was going to be named after a sacrament, it would have been named after baptism. It's right there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but sacrament, like another thing you might hear in it is the word sacred. And um, sacred, though, like generally means it's connected to God in some way. Here's the thing about the word sacrament is not a biblical idea. The things that we're going to talk about as sacraments are absolutely biblical, commanded by God things. But the idea of creating an overarching umbrella word to describe them, um, of calling them the sacraments, is not something that comes from the Bible. And it's not like Jesus said, you will do the sacraments. He said, like, baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He said, you know, take communion. That's often if you do in remembrance of me. But um, he didn't say, like, do the sacraments because sacraments is something like we create. So there's disagreement between... Lutherans and Catholics about, and I'm probably, we're probably on the same side as a lot of Protestant mainlines about what a sacrament is, but let's just be clear. It doesn't really matter what a sacrament is. Like you, it matters that you get baptized. It matters that you take communion as Christians. Um, but like the Catholics, what are the ones, what are the Catholic, they have seven. Baptism, ordination, when you become a priest, anointing the sick, confirmation, matrimony, getting married reconciliation and communion. I guess the whole point of that is Catholics, you do you um, because all of those things are good. They're just, 
we don't consider them sacraments by the Lutheran definition, but there's no like headbutting there because it what is considered a sacrament doesn't really matter. As Lutherans, we consider there to be two sacraments, though the small catechism does mention confession also, but we're only talking about communion and baptism. And in more than one source, I've heard it referred that we only believe in those two. Again, I was it doesn't told, yeah. matter because I a sacrament was, is in not... In my confirmation, we were told it was communion, baptism, and marriage. So, I mean, you know, your holy mileage may vary. I'm giving you a look because... That's a very interesting Lutheran confirmation. A sacrament is something, and actually I can think of an argument for making marriage a uh, sacrament based on this definition. Jesus told us to do it. Um, It involves an earthly thing or an earthly element, and it is connected to a promise of God. And I was thinking like the earthly element in marriage could be a ring. Um, But the thing we did to mention before when we were talking about whether marriage met the definition was the fact that Jesus didn't really like tell people to go out and get married. And then even when Paul talks about marriage later, he's like, it's not that big of a deal. It's not like Paul was like, it's not a big deal to take communion or it's not a big deal to get baptized. Um, but he said marriage like it was an what optional thing. <laughs> um, anyway, so I think that based on the definition that we're using, that marriage would not fit. So what is what is the point of a sacrament? What is the point of a sacrament to you? What do What do communion... And uh, baptism have in common from your point of view? Because you always had your own definition of it, and I like it. I didn't it. have my own definition. I'm sorry, it's not your own definition. You had your way of describing it to it's me. It's the, the moment, the point in space and time where you and your spirit and something physical and earthly and God all meet in one spot. You all come together at one point. I like that. I think that's a good way of looking at it. As I studied and was preparing for the podcast and for my curriculum on this, the definition that I came to is we get to experience God and his grace in a supernatural way. You actually came up with the demonstration um, that I'm going to do with Mm. the kids um, where I can tell the kids, Jesus loves you. Jesus forgives you. And the kids, I can be like, well, they trust me. So when I tell them something, they believe me. They have faith in what I tell them. And that's good. And the Bible tells them and they have faith in what the Bible tells them. But communion. So what we're going to do is I'm going to hold a jelly bean up for them and say, this jelly bean is delicious. And then I'm going to eat the jelly bean myself and describe the sugary taste and how it tastes just a little bit like water, you know, whatever. And, oh, it's so good. And be like, do you believe me? And they'll be like, yes. And I'm like, how would you like to taste the jelly bean for yourself? And I give them that tangible, real experience um, where they can experience the jelly bean in a real way. And that's really what these these contacts with the the earthly elements mm-hmm. and the combination of bringing God to the picture are all about. When I was teaching the kids communion a few years back, one of the things that I was taught was that remembering um, is not the way we think of as remembering, like oh, remember Jesus. Um, that in that culture, remembering was it was a re, not just a reenactment, but a reliving of something. So when Jesus says in communion, "Do this in remembrance of me," or "Remember me." He's saying, relive it, re-experience it together. The first sacrament we're going to talk about is baptism, because generally it's the first one that happens to people, though not always. No. Uh, if you fill in the equation that we talked about earlier, the commandment comes from Matthew 28, 19, and I think we have read it on the podcast probably like nine times already, um, which is from Jesus, go therefore and make disciples of all nations 
which we focus on for evangelism, but it also says baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Um, so Jesus said, go do this. Um, the earthly element of baptism is water. And the promise of God is that you will be born again and live, start living a new life in Jesus. Um, so how does it work? It depends on where you go to church, <laughs> but there's always water involved. Um, there is, we do a, we, we are a sprinkle baptism church that does the like sprinkle on your head. Um, but we've also done full immersion in mm-hmm. like a glorified hot tub. That's not really hot. We're not averse to it. We just don't usually do it. Yeah, It's like, it's logistic. We don't have like a big baptism tub that's like in our, people, a lot it's of people have a it. swimming pool. No, it's called a baptistry. I know. Joel. And um, we don't have one in our church, but we do have one of those portable tubs a portable now. baptistry. Um, that we do. Yeah. And then um, some people do it in the river. In fact, people like line up to do it in the Jordan, um, which is where Jesus was baptized. Um, but you, but let's put it, let's be real. You can do it wherever. Um, we know of a baby that was baptized in his hospital bed. The water, the type of water doesn't matter. Um, but it does matter that we you have the el- the element and then you have the words, which we always say when we baptize people, we baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, because that's what Jesus said to do. And when those two things are combined, that is baptism. What happens in baptism is honestly kind of freaky and kind of a weird thing to describe to the kids. Um, <laughs> I'll read it and then I'll kind of give you the Kathleen version of it. And actually, this is from Romans 6, 1 through 4. And I like it because it answers that question that kids ask all the time, which is like, right, if we're forgiven, why would we, can we just sin for the rest of our life? And so here it is, Romans 6. What shall we say then? Are we to continue to sin uh, in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that we in order that just as Christ raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we might too walk in newness of life. So basically the visual of this is, um, now I grant a lot of people don't get dunked, but imagine a dunk. When you go down into the water, the old Adam you, the sinful you, the, the person you were born into as a sinner dies in the water and out comes a new you that is in Christ Jesus, um, that is filled with the Holy Spirit and is living a new life separate from the one you were born with. Um, and the idea of drowning people in baptism is a, is it's not the visual I want kids to have necessarily on the first pass. So I'm kind of, of dealing with how to create that visual of the death of the old Jew and the re-emergence of the new you without scaring small children. So the next question is, when do you get baptized or when should you get baptized? The The Lutheran answer is anytime and once. Now would be great. Um, and, well, um, I think any and all, that's not true, but most Christian denominations are once. That is like something we all agree on pretty solidly. Um, that it is something like, for example, your death and reemergence in Christ can only happen once. So we only baptize people once. Um, the any time there is great debate on whether or not that is correct. Um, Lutherans, for example, and a lot of mainline Protestant Christians baptize uh, babies and small children. Mm-hmm. And there's another kind of strain of um, 
actually that's also Protestant mainline. So that's not really fair. And, and Protestant um, non-denominational that don't baptize until um, the kid can understand kind of the gravity of what they're doing, accepting Jesus as Lord of their life and um, submitting to him and in uh, their faith in the resurrection. Um, that's kind of called, it's called believer's baptism. And here's the deal. As a Lutheran, I'm glad they're getting baptized. Mm-hmm. That's good baptism. There's nothing wrong with that. They don't all feel the same about us baptizing small children. Yeah, we can have confirmation to take the place of the believer's baptism in our, at least, practical practice. The, the thing if is, not theologically. that baptism is, um, with baptism comes a supernatural transformation of a person. Um, with baptism comes the grace of God and the beginning of your eternal life. Eternal life does not start when you die. Eternal life starts at baptism. And um, that's all stuff that we believe that only God can do. And so if um, we have to kind of reach a level of understanding and choose God in that way to have that supernatural effect, um, that's counter to what we believe. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, if somebody has chosen God um, when they're 13 or 17 or 97, um, and that's the way they come to baptism, that's all good. Um, and the other thing is, however you come to baptism, whether it is by, um, your own personal choice or something your parents uh, like prayerfully agree to do for you or by like some aunt that pressured you into doing it or whatever, like whatever it is, like if, if baptism happens, God can work with it. Um, the Holy spirit is in whatever is pushing you to be baptized or whatever is creating the circumstances for a child or an adult to be baptized. And once the baptism happens, the Holy spirit's there and the life is changed. And, um, there is a future that only God has control over. Um, so we're not super picky about how one comes to baptism either. The other thing about baptism that we do is we believe that it is the start of a Christian life. And usually in some denominations, there are sponsors or godparents Mm -hmm. and the church also agrees um, to help raise the person in the faith. And that's part of the, the agreement of baptism is part of the, the process of baptism is okay. This seed has been planted, but now we're all going to water it so that this can be a life that is lived for Jesus. The public profession that you're going to, participate and do what you need to do. And it's not just a, oh, we're dunking the kid because that's what grandma wants. No, this is a a thing you're committing to. Well, and the thing is, if you are dunking the kid because that's what grandma wants, God can work with that. But what we do, the way we look at it as a bigger picture church is that it is something that we are agreeing to support and and that we Mm -hmm. are agreeing to take on that kid as and do ministry for them. The other thing you may be wondering is if you go down into the water and the old sinner dies and out comes this person living in Christ Jesus. How come there's still a bunch of jerks that have been baptized, (laughs) right? Like we are still sinful and we are still sinning after that. Um, And that takes us to the idea of living in the already not yet. Um, The salvation work by Jesus Christ has been done. Victory has been won over sin and death, but the return in the, in the new in the new kingdom, Christ has not returned to establish his kingdom on earth. So when we live between those two points in history, we live in this world where we are no longer under the power of sin, 
and we can choose a life in Jesus and we can we can live this life and let the Holy Spirit do its work, but we are also living in the not yet um, and sin is also an option still and people often opt for it. Once again, humans mucking everything up. <laughs> All right. So that's one of two. We said there were two. The second one is... Holy Communion. In case you'd forgotten in the last 15 minutes. <laughs> um, so Holy Communion, what it looks like um, if you were to come into a church um, or, I mean, there's lots of ways of doing communion, but generally um, the words of institution are spoken over the elements, which are um, unleavened bread. Is that the right way of saying that? Mm-hmm. And wine, um, which is the blood and body of Christ. And um, you go and you literally eat the bread and drink the wine um, and the words, uh, this is my body given for you, broken for you. This is my blood shed for you. And you literally take Jesus into your body. It's like a, it's like a weird thing that Christians do that almost kind of derailed the, the church to a mm-hmm. point. Got because, some trouble in the beginning. People uh, thought we were eating people. <laughs> which, I mean... No, Fair, we're eating right? person. <laughs> I get why that was problematic. Um, in fact, there was kind of a mess of communion. Jesus, like, I mean, this is like one of the last things he told people to do, right? He's kind of like in the last few minutes being like, okay, um, do this um, at the Last Supper. And he's like, also wash each other's feet. Like, <laughs> also Judas is going to betray me. Last Supper was a very busy night. But this is one of the last things he gave us to do. And when we started doing it as a church, especially in Corinth, they were kind of not, they're kind of mucking it up. And Paul kind of heard that it was a mess. So the kind of formal procedure we have around communion was the result of Paul's uh, writing in uh, 1 Corinthians, um, the letter to the Corinthians, um, to be like, okay, well, I hear you how you're doing communion, but here's what we're going to do from now on so that, as, as our pastor put it, good order for maximum blessing. Just to prevent humans from mucking it up yeah that's so, we're making some rules so that you guys don't muck it up the rules don't make it perfect or holy but y'all can't be trusted by y'all i mean me if you look at first corinthians eleven seventeen, but in the following instructions i do not commend you because when you were when you come together it is not for better but for the worse so that's what he's talking he's like you guys are not nailing um, the way you're coming together. So this is starting at 23. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he also took the, t- took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Those words are kind of said in very similar terms in the gospel. And I don't think they're only in three of them, but that's in the letter in the in in first Corinthians, but they come from direct accounts in the gospel. Um, so those are the commandment of God. He says, do this in remembrance of me. Done. The earthly element is the bread and the wine. It's connected to that promise, that idea that as often as you do this, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And that when you take the body of Christ into you and you take the blood of Christ into you, um, you're actually receiving Jesus into your body to go through your system. We get to do that as often as we want. 
So there's basically like three divisions of theology on what happens um, when you take Holy Communion. There's the idea that it's like the literal blood and body of Christ. Transubstantiation. That's Catholics, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Lutherans are, I think it's, was it consubstantiation or something like that? No. I'm going to feel look dumb if I'm wrong. Um, but the idea that it is Jesus and it is also bread and wine at the same time, but it is. Think Jesus of it this is way. really good at being two, two things, things at once. once. <laughs> yes. Cause Jesus was fully human and fully God and it is fully bread and wine, but it is also Jesus when you receive it and you are receiving Jesus into your body. And then there are people who believe that the blood or the, sorry, the wine and the bread represent Jesus, that they're a symbol of Jesus. And so, which is like the least supernaturally thing, but I, this is another one where God's doing the work. Mm -hmm. And if you come to the table to receive Jesus, regardless of what you, what your theology is about what happens to the elements if you believe you're receiving Jesus, God will meet you there. Your God is doing the work. In that moment, you will take a piece of the earth, a thing that has grown out of the earth. You will take it to yourself. God will meet you there and you will experience that. Supernatural experience of God's grace. The other thing is one of the important parts of communion is that it is a communion, which means it is meant to be done in community. Um, if you are in your house and you're like, grab yourself a cracker and are like, body of Christ given for me, and then dip it in some, you know, wine, or I guess you wouldn't dip it if you were at home. That's like a very in church thing. Um, but point being that it is meant to be done even when we bring communion to um, somebody in a hospital bed or somebody who's homebound, somebody from the church is bringing them the bread and the wine, the body and the blood to share in community with that person. Um, so that is one of the essential elements of communion um, that means that you can't just go off the reservation and, and take it yourself in your house. Just an, another way to keep people from mucking it up. So um, this is like a really good one for the jelly bean example, because it's a, it's a, if somebody was like the, the, the bread is Christ's body and the wine is Christ's blood and everybody just sat there and looked at it. Um, it's like, okay, that's cool. But Christ said that we could, he wanted us to experience it and to, to experience it in a tangible way. And this is the way he gave us to, to do it. If I'm being honest, I've been researching communion and praying about communion and like just trying to basically every time I see a child baptize, I can feel like every hackle in my body, just like, like this is a real thing. And this is changing this kid's life and the trajectory of this kid's life has changed forever. And I do not have the same emotional, physical, spiritual response um, to taking communion myself, which I have been repeatedly told. It's like, oh, then I'm sorry. I shouldn't say I've been repeatedly told there's something wrong with you, but I feel like this is a, it's a weird thing. I, I do communion in obedience. I keep showing up to the table. I believe that I'm receiving Christ and I try to take it seriously and reverently. I don't know. I, I don't know what I'm supposed to experience, but I don't feel like I'm experiencing it. And I guess I share that because I want to say, if you're somebody who goes up and takes communion and doesn't have their world shook by it, God's just got something in mind for us 
and he's waiting to reveal it to us. And I'm just going to trust and have faith that that's true. The bottom line is sacraments are your opportunity to experience God meeting you on earth in a point at a moment where you can be together and experience that supernatural presence, the supernatural grace, the supernatural wonder. With a tangible element. Let's tangibly get to everyone's favorite part of the podcast. So that came up. After my grandma had the stroke, we were trying to explain to the kids what was going on. They've only met her two or three times. Oh, maybe more than that. When she was healthier, when Four he was really five young. times, probably. Certainly only once or twice since he could have any living memory Yeah, of it. once or twice a year for an hour or two, and she wasn't super present. So um, he... <laughs> He goes, does, but we're going to explain it to him because we wanted to understand like why, why their grandma was sad or like what everybody was dealing with or, or whatever. And he looks at me, he goes, does this mean Zeb is going to die too? Zeb is a stuffed animal that my aunt gave him as part of a suitcase slash stuffed animal kit thing. And I had to be like, okay, first of all, it's not Aunt Linda that's dying. It's great grandma Doherty. <laughs> and second of all, no, your stuffed animal, what? <laughs> like, your stuffed animal, which is not alive, is not going to die because somebody else died. Um, it's unrelated. Z will die in his own time. <laughs> not... Z will die when mommy decides he needs to go to the Goodwill. I think he already did. No, not No, Zeeb. we didn't send Zeb. The monkey did. All right, Kathleen, press out. God, help us to experience more of you, more of your supernatural work, more of the grace that you um, offer to us through the sacraments of baptism and communion. Help us to inspire more people to come to you in baptism so that the Holy Spirit can get that foothold and do the work that only the Holy Spirit can do. And help us, and especially me as I come to the Lord's table, to experience what you would want me to experience, the spiritual experience. Um, that is for you and of you and help us all to come to the table with seriousness so that we can receive your maximum blessing. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please take a second to rate and subscribe to this podcast. It helps others to find us and to be hashtag blessed by the discussions that we have here. If you want to contact us, you can reach us on Instagram at Christ in the Chaos, or you can email us at Christ in the Chaos Pod at gmail.com. Until next week, we hope you have a peaceful week, but even if you don't, remember that you can find us and Jesus waiting for you in the chaos.